Welcome to the Leadership on Demand podcast presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina located in historic downtown Charleston. I'm Colonel Tom Clark, Executive Director of the Krauss Center, and we are proud to share an inside look at the training, thinking, and experiences of principal leaders. Since 1842, the Citadel has produced principal leaders in all walks of life, and we look forward to sharing some of what makes the Citadel a strong and unique institution with you today. On this week's episode of Leadership on Demand, we will take a behind-the-scenes look at principal leadership training with special guest Dr. Darren Zimmerman. Dr. Zimmerman is Dean of the Swain Family School of Science and Mathematics at the Citadel, and he will discuss the role of high-impact practices as well as the importance of time management for cadet success. I'm today's host, Lieutenant Colonel Ted Feening from the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. Thank you for joining today's Leadership on Demand podcast. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership on Demand podcast. We are here with Dean Darren Zimmerman, Dean of the Swain Family School of Science and Mathematics here at the Citadel. Uh, Dean Zimmerman, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. We are glad to have you here today, and I will start with the question we ask all of our guests, which is, what prevents the Citadel from being the great institution that we know it is, but it could be better? What what stands in our way? It could be inside the school or or generally uh, at, at the college? That's a great question. Uh, I think uh, when I look at uh, how we engage students and some of the challenges that we have, uh, probably not just within my school, but maybe at the college, is that uh, students are challenged for time to do things outside the classroom. And what I mean by that is uh, what we call high impact practices. And so that might be uh, research experiences, it might be other forms of engaged scholarship uh, around internships, around um, other opportunities that <clears throat> that happen outside of the classroom that we think are transformative uh, for them as individuals, but a significant part of their education. And it's it's difficult given the uh, you know given the rigid schedule that they have. Um, but I think being able to prov provide more margin in their schedule for right. those kinds of activities is an area that we could uh, continue to For what year group was that the most important? Is, is, it more, is it more important for sophomores or for seniors, or is, is it just all the way through? I, I think it's, it's, uh, it's particularly important for students as they are become more senior, but it is something we want to get them engaged at, um, even at the beginning levels, you know, when they arrive, get, get them thinking about not just education as uh, something where they go to class and they do homework and they take tests, but they are um, working on problems, working with faculty, working with others, maybe in the community on things that don't have obvious answers. Right. That makes sense. I mean, there's always a, there's a natural tension here. You know, it's a, it's a college, it's a military school. Yes. And so uh, those, those requirements on both ends, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very clear that we're a, we're a college first, but there are a lot of demands on their, on their time militarily. What are some of the things that students uh, miss out on? Or what are the things they could be taking advantage of if they had a little more flexibility? What were some of the ideal programs for your cadets? I, I think what, what, uh, what my school does a great job, what our faculty do a great job is is in the area of undergraduate research. Um, we have graduate programs as well, and we do have graduate students doing research, but undergraduates um, doing research really requires um, significant blocks of time 
to think about things, to come up with creative solutions to, to problems that may or may not have obvious answers. Mm -hmm. And without those sort of dedicated blocks of time, uh, it's difficult to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. um, students can do this in the summer, for sure, but being able to do it at some level year-round um, would really, I think, be um, advantageous right. for when, the development. Yeah, you know, the cadets are on the 24-hour cadet schedule, right. which sounds awfully intimidating uh, right. for those who have never heard of such a thing. And, and when you ask cadets often when they come to the Citadel, they say, because I, I know I'll be able to graduate if I can stick with the program. I'm very scheduled. Yes. Um, I, I, I wonder myself how rude an awakening it is when you hit the real world and you right. don't have a 24-hour adult schedule. Right. Um, and what we can do to better prepare them, what we can reduce uh, in our in our daily. Do you have any ideas of what could be reduced? Well, I, I you know, I, let me say that the the military experience, the, the the challenges they face, the discipline that is that is taught and learned here all of those things are are vital and i would i would never say that we don't want any of those of course things. those are it's clear that our our students and our and our cadets in particular leave with uh soft skills that you often don't get at other institutions and so that's that's clear <clears throat> but i think um shifting time uh away from some of those activities to other activities where we're you know we're talking about uh, high impact practices and right and what is it you know when you say a high impact practice a lot of folks aren't as familiar as that right with the hipsters as they're called uh, colloquially right. here on campus what yeah. is it what is a hipster what is a high impact practice so i think a high impact practice from my perspective is something that uh, fosters uh, problem solving and creative thinking not that we don't do that in the classroom, but when you're given uh, a problem or you're asked to come up with a solution that you can't just go find in a textbook or online, and you have to think about think about it in the context of, of the knowledge that you have learned, and then apply that to something that's maybe brand new, that uh, develops creative thinking. It, it, it develops independent thinking. It, it, it fosters problem solving. So is, is high impact practices, is that a program we have or is it a specific time or is it a guided uh, educational process? What is so that? These, I would call these, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I would call these, uh, you know, co-curricular or extracurricular activities that relate back to your academic um, foundation mm -hmm. but they take you outside the classroom and so we might things like uh, undergraduate research uh, collaborative learning mm -hmm. capstone projects uh, internships uh, service learning all these things that we do have here um, those those I would call high impact because they add something significant to your classroom education sure and what uh, right now? What's what's brewing in the School of Science and Mathematics? What uh, what kind of exciting programs do you have on the horizon? You know, for potential students or for alumni who graduated from this program, um, what might they not know about that's happening inside the school right now? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I think uh, I think you know one of our probably most uh, active and let's call it hot programs is certainly cyber. Um, uh, and, and so we, in fall of uh, fall of 20, uh, we gave birth to the uh, the BS in cyber operations, 
and you know cyber is becoming a, a ubiquitous topic across all disciplines. Um, it's something that's not going away. It's something that's growing. Uh, there are more uh, there are more jobs available than there are people to fill them. Mm. And so um, you know within that that program, uh, there's just a tremendous opportunities from from scholarships that are available to uh, you know different opportunities for students to engage in applied experiences outside the classroom, competitions, um, internships, all the things that we've just mentioned, uh, they're doing that in spades. And so it's a very rapidly growing program. It's so for folks who don't know uh, what, you get an idea of cyber, it's computers, it's thinking about how we communicate and how we are attacking and defending and this mm -hmm. sort of thing. Do we have any interact? You know, we have obviously a very robust ROTC program here, with 35% of our graduates going into the military. Right. Are there other non-DoD agencies, or are there federal or state who is who is looking to the Citadel, or who's partnering with the Citadel right now to help train our cadets? Um, I mean, I've heard some rumors, but what, what's the what's the real scoop here? Yeah. So. We have um, very close relationships within the, uh, the state Army National Guard, uh, Army Cyber. Um, we have connections with uh, National Security Agency, uh, with NIWIC, the Naval Information Warfare Center here in Charleston. So there are a lot of either DOD or DOD-related entities that we are engaged with uh, to provide students uh, with job opportunities for sure mm -hmm. but also we have a lot of we have a lot of adjunct faculty for example who come from those agencies or institutions and they are actually uh, engaging with our students in the classroom or outside the classroom so we have we have someone from uh, from NIWIC who actually is the uh, coach for our uh, our cyber uh, competition teams, mm -hmm. and so there's a direct impact on the education of our students from the outside. Sure. So, do, do those coaches uh, create the competition? Is that is it, is it a competition from NIWIC? It's not a competition from NIWIC specifically, but there are different competitions within the state. Mm -hmm. uh, there is the uh, national cyber exercise, which involves the military academies and the senior military colleges and so that's a competition that's one competition but there are others mm -hmm. and so these are these are activities that are not for credit but they give the students an opportunity to uh, uh, practice the things that they are learning and of mm -hmm. course in cyber things are changing every day right right you know you know new techniques new models new applications are coming on board continuously. How big is the School of Science and Mathematics and, and how many, what, what percentage inside of that is, is focused on cyber as a major? So we, we, uh, we have about 600 students who are enrolled in uh, really 16 programs, okay. 12 undergraduate, four graduate. Uh, cyber has about 130 students right now. Okay. That's between cyber our, our Bachelor of Science in Cyber Operations and our Bachelor of Science in Computer Science. And so um, since we started the, um, the BS in Cyber Operations, it's grown about 280% just from two years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of uh, exploding. Uh, and so, um, so we've got, you know, within the school, just to give everybody an idea, we've got, we've got biology, we've got chemistry, 
cyber and computer sciences, as we mentioned. We've also got mathematics, uh, health and human performance, okay. nursing, and physics. I didn't realize a nursing school was here. I guess that makes sense. Sure. Absolutely. So, and nursing is a is a science based discipline. Of course. So really, it it does belong here. Um, within health and human performance, we actually have things like sport management, mm -hmm. along with exercise science and physical education. Sure. So it's a very broad range of of programs, and um, I would I would be remiss in not mentioning that our faculty are doing a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. How many faculty are there across those 16 programs? So we have about 70 full-time faculty. Okay. Uh, that's both tenure track and instructor lines. Sure. And then we've probably got anywhere from 60 to 65 part-time faculty and okay. adjuncts who teach you know, one or more classes. That's pretty fantastic. 120, you know, 60 and 60 it's, to, to it's 600 a lot students. Of, it's a lot of faculty and yeah, staff. that's right. And uh, like I say, I think what's unique about the Citadel in my experience, is that the mission, the mission to develop principal leaders through excellent education, is is a very well-known, clear mission that I think you ask anybody, uh, they will they will tell you what the mission is. Right. Um, that's, so that's uh, and how long have you been at the Citadel? So I'm in my fifth year. Fifth year as dean. Okay. Um, to be honest, it's it's been the most uh, challenging. Uh, job I've ever had, and also the most satisfying. Okay. Um, I, I think there's something unique about the Citadel um, that blends, you know, the discipline and the challenge of the military side with the discipline and challenge of the academic side. Sure. And so, as we began this conversation, I think how do we balance that is is one of the ongoing. Uh, challenges, but it's a good problem to have. Of course, I think that's part of the reason the uh, the Kraft Center from, from which this podcast is hosted was formed, was yes. to help yes. uh, lubricate some of those conversations and friction points. Uh, right. And so, well, listen, you've been here five years. Uh, what have you seen that has changed over the five years you've been here? I, I think, uh, at least in my school, um, what I've seen is our programs are evolving. Uh, in a way that is making them more marketable. Uh, we've developed some great leadership within the school. Uh, I have a great team of department heads mm -hmm. who are looking carefully at our curriculum, who are active in recruiting and retaining students. Mm -hmm. uh, we've, de we've developed a playbook around uh, really wanting to graduate not only more students in these fields that we offer, but also uh, better quality students. Mm -hmm. Graduates are really prepared um, when they leave to either go into a job and be ready to ready to go to work because they've had they've had experience doing the things that they were trained to do, or they're ready to go to graduate school or medical school. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there a healthy competition between deans and schools? Let's say I show up for, at the Citadel, you know, I, I, I get here, they shave my head, I start marching around doing push-ups, yeah. and suddenly classes start, and I, I say, gosh, I don't know, I can't decide if I want to be a biology major and go to medicine, or if I want to go uh, be an educator. Is right. there, how, how, do you, uh, how do you compete for students? How do you advertise to students when they arrive? Yeah. That's, you know, okay, so there is, you know, I, I would say there is a healthy competition. Good, good. Uh, it's it's uh, it's certainly um, something that we, we, we compete for students mm -hmm. in the sense that there are a limited number, if we're talking about 
cadets. If, you know, if we're talking about CGC or graduate students, there's not that competition. Sure. But if we're talking about cadets and, and the South Carolina Corps of Cadets, um, then certainly, you know, I've got small programs that maybe only graduate a handful of students every year. Um, and if I can, if I can get a few engineers to convert to uh, <laughs> cyber. Sure. Or physics or chemistry, sure. Then I'm, I'm we're going to make that pitch. Good. And how do we do that? I mean, certainly we do that by trying to uh, talk with as many prospective students who maybe aren't sure about what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, you mean but, students who haven't matriculated? Yeah, there's. Yeah, there's certainly we're going to we're going to reach out to students in high school. We're going to talk to them about you know why why be a physics major rather than mechanical engineer? Sure. You know, and how do we? How do we articulate that to them? <clears throat> um, but even to students who are here as, as freshmen or sophomore students, you know, we're going to talk about uh, career opportunities in those classes. Uh, you know, physics class might have mostly engineering students, a few physics majors, a few chemistry majors. We're going to talk to them about opportunities in physics, in a physics class. And so I think that's where some of the some of the competition happens, you know, where sure, we're, you know, sure. we're trying to sell our program. Of course, right? what get, so, well, just guessing an estimate. What what percentage of students showing show up without totally knowing what they want to study? Or do most folks know I'm here to be a, a biologist or an engineer or? That's that's a really good question because I think uh, at most institutions you have an opportunity to come in as a freshman, undeclared. Right. You might think you want to do this or that, but. You've got you've got a semester or two at least, maybe maybe three semesters to really decide what direction you're going to take. And here at the Citadel, when you come in, you've got to declare that major. That's good, and I think it also causes some some problems or some challenges mm -hmm. because students don't always know. So to what to what percentage? I'm not exactly sure. sure. I, I would I would guess that you know upwards of 30 to 50 percent of students are not totally sure about mm -hmm. what they want to be or what they want to do. Um, and so the better we can advise them before they matriculate, I think that's doing them a service. Sure. Well, the last question we like to ask is, you've been here for five years. What advice would you give to that, uh, that knob who's just arriving in your school? Mm. Uh, if you think about some of the seniors who've had more successful paths through this institution, right. how can they set themselves up for, for success semester one? For, for their entire Citadel career academically inside of your school? That's another another great question. Um, so I, I take an opportunity to talk with all of the knobs uh, right after they arrive. And one of the things that I think students either uh, don't want to do for some reason or afraid to do is, is really engage with their faculty. Our faculty want to get to know the students we we are here for them that's the only re I, I tell them i say i am here for your success and these faculty that are standing in the room with me they are here only for one reason for your success mm -hmm. and i think students need to take advantage of that um I, they need to take advantage of all the support that we have the student success center the opportunities for tutoring but really the faculty are here for them and so if they don't take advantage of developing those relationships with their faculty, I think uh, some of them run into real challenges along the way. Sure. Um, I, I think they have to recognize, at least as knobs, that you know the the games that we play around discipline and 
you know, all of those challenges of getting up early and changing your, you know, your schedule and, and, and the, the PT that's involved, all those things, those are um, purposeful. Mm-hmm. And I think if they can go into it realizing that it's not to be taken personally, that it really that it is something to develop their resilience, to develop their um, character, then I think going into it, they can they can come out of that better. You well, know? Dan Zimmerman, excellent answer. Thank you so much for the interview. Uh, we're grateful to have you on the podcast today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Leadership on Demand podcast presented by the Krauss Center for Leadership and Ethics at the Citadel. You can find us online, and we welcome your feedback and suggestions on who you, our audience, would like to hear from in future episodes. Thank you for your time today. We hope you'll join us here again soon for another episode of Leadership on Demand.